Hello and welcome to Stubbornly Optimistic, the podcast all about people and what makes them tick. Today's episode is a topical one. I don't do this very often. We have had something in the UK going on within schools. Protests against LGBT inclusive education programs within schools for younger children. Um, And I thought I'd say a few words about the philosophical arguments and sociological impact of that happening. Conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. So much has happened since I last saw you. I went on a journey of self discovery. Can you talk? XM satellite radio. Digital cable brings you the broadcasting system. So you you talk to the radio? Actually, you do. You're, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Okay, so what's all this about? Well, a Birmingham school in Saltley, uh, in the UK, was teaching some LGBT inclusive lessons to pupils aged between four and eleven. Um, this is Parkfield Community School, and the sessions were set up by the assistant head who is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Moffat. Now the problem arose when the children's parents uh, and families, wider families, had some disagreements with whether these lessons were appropriate for their children, age appropriate or indeed appropriate full stop, and they argued that it wasn't really the school's position or place to teach this sort of stuff to their children. Um, so the result was that children were removed from the schooling system and there was some picketing, etc., etc. And I just thought it was interesting because we have, again, two different views going on, uh, probably underpinned by various different ideas. And while I might exist on one side of this particular argument, Let's have a look at the arguments and see what happens, see if they stack up. And also, why there might be other things that we could learn from this. Okay, so the first thing to say is that nothing really exists in a vacuum. And we have a situation where this No Outsiders program was designed to teach children at a relatively young age, 4 to 11, that acceptance of people different to them would be a good thing now how that acceptance is framed becomes important here and then when you start to look at the wider implications of those positions we then get into authoritarian arguments Uh, For example, Ofsted have said that the school did nothing wrong. They have come out as the official body appointed by the government that oversees standards in schools, and they have said that there's nothing wrong with teaching this content to children, and they haven't, the school this is, they haven't overstepped the mark. Whereas one might suggest if you took a different view that the very essence of teaching this stuff to children is quote-unquote wrong. Um, So where do those different views come from? Well, the obvious knee-jerk reaction is theology. In this case, 
we're talking a group of parents who happen to be Muslim. But if we were to take the, pick this subject up and drop it into America, it would probably be Christianity and evangelicals. And indeed it is when you've got the likes of Trump and Pence suggesting that this stuff is inappropriate for kids. So we can kind of lump the theological arguments together in that sense if they're both suggesting that LGBT incidences within the, within the human population are ethically questionable based on their own theocratic viewpoint. So that's the first thing. The second thing really is to go, well, at what age do we teach children about this? And what is it we're actually teaching them? I mean, the scaremongering side of things would be that we're teaching them to be gay and they're all going to go gay and they're going to grow up and stuff like this. I quite often throw in the left-handed argument here. When teachers stopped complaining at school children for picking up a pen with their left hand, the incidence of left-handedness within the population rose. Now, was that created by the acceptance of left-handedness or was it just an outcome of not telling people that left-handedness was wrong? The answer is probably closer to the latter because left-handedness or indeed anything might exist independent of our knowledge of it. That's an epistemological, ontological idea that existence is independent of knowledge. So from, from that point of view, there's perhaps some validity in the idea that if we teach children about this stuff, that more of them might go, actually, do you know what? That kind of describes me and they might grow up to, quote unquote, be gay. That doesn't explain why people think it's wrong though. It's a kind of circular argument. Honestly, it comes back to the ethical arguments about choice or life choices, because that's a loaded term. Choice is often a loaded term, and I've spoken to LGBT individuals who absolutely flatly refute the idea of choice. But we do make choices. I mean, if you decide that you fall in love with, or you realise let's say, that you fall in love with someone, they happen to be the same sex as you, you're going to have to choose how you act on that. And the choice that you make will be based on how you view the ideas of right and wrong, social concepts of what should and shouldn't be, etc. So we make choices, we make decisions, we rationalise, we reason, etc. There's nothing wrong with that. But what they're saying in these theological arguments it's more than likely that it's wrong to be LGBT, etc., 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 because they're basing their arguments in what Talia Betcher would call metaphysical skepticism in terms of the transgender argument or in an ethical stance that homosexuality and bisexuality, pan, etc., is wrong, morally wrong. Now, these arguments haven't gone away as these protests in Birmingham and in America highlight. They haven't gone away. And indeed, there's some evidence that 
these opinions, the older opinions, born of theological stuff and older social legal arguments um, that still exist within living memory, are prevalent within the Lords and the House of Commons, our UK government structure. So it's an ongoing conversation. On the subject of conversations, here is a recorded conversation that we did on location at the coast between myself and Emma Agar. Emma has been doing some research into gender and its social connotations as part of the master's program. Generally, this particular issue got under her skin, so I thought it'd be nice to have a chat with her and get some of her thoughts on the whole thing. So have a listen. You're going to say hi? Hi. Yeah, we are joined today by Emma, who's going to write some stuff for my blog as well, aren't you? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I've roped her in. I'm cautiously optimistic about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, cautiously optimistic. Um, I should say we're joined by cautiously optimistic. (laughs) Yeah, okay. New pen name. (laughs) Yeah, new pen name. Um, So this LGBT stuff in schools came up recently and really kind of got you going did it got under my skin a little bit okay um and you know why why come on why there's a leading question this is a leading question it's um um in theory it should be an obvious answer i mean dependent on where your stance is and um it surprises me that there's been not been more of a backlash to it than there has been um I guess that's um, a tricky question, but the fact of the matter is, is that recently there has been rabbit. <laughs> Where? Sorry, it's just hopped up on the curb there, in front of the bushes. All right, okay. Sorry, it's hurriedly <laughs> distracted, but it's a bit of wildlife where we're not yeah. used to seeing any, so... Yeah. Um, we're recording this on location. I hope you can edit this. Coast. <laughs> yes, I can. And it's going out live, did I not tell you? No, you didn't. <laughs> well, you know. Um, it's just... I guess, I guess. I mean, it was unfair, really, to, for me to just kind of drop you in and go, <laughs> why? Why does this really bug you? Why? Because it, it bu- it's obvious it's going to bug people um, who want an inclusive kind of way of looking at things it is and um, kids is kind of an emotive issue it really is but it ties it ties in with your research um doesn't it so. it does um i mean literally just recently we've been looking at um some statistics um part of the european social survey of 2016 which is the latest release so far and we can preliminary preliminarily say that there is a, a, a correlation uh, between religion and people's sexual attitudes towards sexual orientation. And we kind of already knew that, didn't we? We know that because of how religious documentation tends to call it deviant. Yeah. Make, make an ethical judgment, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. and condemns it. So we, we know that there's already a correlation there. So this is just reaffirming that mm. um, in present-day society it's still there, unfortunately. But, you know, people are entitled to their beliefs. And I do understand that, and I appreciate that. Um, but I also think that those beliefs should not stand in the way of others. And especially when it comes to education. 
Well, that's the that's the real crux of it because there's a group of parents that took like 600 kids out of this school, mm-hmm. this school in uh, in Birmingham where it, where it all kicked off, yeah. and they're suggesting that teaching the kids um, about LGBT stuff is is unethical, sacrilegious. Well, there's 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 a there's an argument to say that teaching them an age appropriate level of understanding would be okay. But I don't think that's where a lot of these people are coming from. I think they're just saying teaching it full stop is not appropriate and mm-hmm. it's up to them as parents and I guess uh, advocates of their faith to teach their children in the manner that they want them to grow up. It is, but by saying, by, by having the ignorance of it, you're, you're basically saying that it's not right. If you're not including it in conversation, you're automatically alienating it as something that should be taboo and unspoken and um, not a topic that should be approached. Yeah, and the, the difficulty, of course, and there was a, an article that, I don't know, did you look at the article I, I mentioned about, there was a young Muslim um, yes. girl who is also LGBT, and these these people, well, people are not necessarily born, and this is true of, of, of LGBT, pan people, everything. They're not born to their community. Mm-hmm. They're born to potentially people that really, really disagree with what they are. Well, you've only got to look at Chechnya to, to understand that. I mean, yeah. there's people that are being murdered um, just because of their orientation, which is... And, and their families are no no refuge for them. No. Um, um, so that this this... There seems to be, to me, I don't know if you agree, but there seems to be like a little bit of a, of a, I don't want to use the word war, but it is literally a kind of, the theologi- there is a conflict between the theological viewpoint, um, whether that's in Birmingham with a bunch of, in this case, um, Muslim uh, parents and families, or whether it's in... Well, they pointed out that it wasn't yeah. just Muslim. They pointed out that it was um, Jewish as well and uh, amongst other religions. But, I mean, predominantly religious groups yeah. is what the like, where the issue lies. But even if it didn't rely with religious groups, if it, like, if it just lied with um, the secular groups as well that just didn't want to be or hear anything about it or have their children learning anything about it, it, it nevertheless, what your denomination is... Do you have the right to enforce uh, enforce naivety or um, censorship? Censorship, yeah, yeah. Um, and ignorance to the world around you, because at the end of the day, there's children. And yes, I know it was four to eleven year olds. So fair enough. You're not going to go into the ins and outs of the ins and outs. So I love that expression. You've said that a few times, <laughs> and I always laugh at that. That's funny. Yeah, age-appropriate stuff. Yes, yeah. it is age. And they've already. And to be honest, there's, there's, a, they've already spoken about it being age-appropriate. They, they are basically just introducing the subject as, as it is, as a non-taboo subject that is in this world that we live in. As mm. there is kids that do have two mums, two dads. They come from. Um, single parent families that have had in vitro um, fertilisation you know they've not necessarily had this nuclear family which let's face it has never actually been a norm but has always been taught 
to us as a norm. Yeah, as the sort of default state. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that that thing of the single parent family idea. I mean, when I was at school, I can remember the single parent family stereotype being kind of vilified mm -hmm. in a similar it was, way wasn't it? It and was it really isn't a thing yeah now. single parents got absolutely condemned didn't they because yeah. they you know apparently they weren't good enough well apparently now it's lgbt people that aren't good enough and and we're peculiar and we're outcasts and we're um what was the wording that they used we're, no, we're now outsiders outsiders yeah yeah um you know i think that is that's particularly derogatory term to to be using it against us and I, I do take um offense to that to be honest um but the worst thing about it for me and and this is the the very worst thing about it to me is the fact that it will scare children yes it will scare children into thinking that they are not right if they are not straight if you like. If they don't conform. If they have any doubts, which chances are, I mean, <clears throat> at four years old, I don't know, I can't remember back to that stage, four years old, you might not have any idea or be thinking along those lines. However, what you will be subjected to is other children's families, if not your own, not being the same as the nuclear. Yes. So yeah. to then vilify LGBT people would be to vilify that child's friends family yeah or their it's, own family it's putting a face on it isn't it? i mean the, the question that comes out of this is at what age is it appropriate to teach kids um about this these sorts of things and i think <coughs> somebody put a, a great put it a great way that if a kid is old enough to bully another kid with you know sayings of being gay or having a having a go at them because they dress differently or whatever then they're old enough to be taught about the LGBT stuff in a sense of don't be a dick about it. There is, there is that and, and on top of that there was also, I mean I remember the comments going around of, of um, again single parent families like going mm. around between the kids like you've not got a dad or you've not got a mum or you know yeah. things like that um, and there will be kids going around saying you've got two mums, your mum's a lesbian, blah blah yeah. blah so rather than actually play to the ignorance of it and, and make it become this dirty word this dirty thing that you know people apparently do why not actually bring it out into the open and respect people for their choices because there's nothing wrong with it so why yeah why try and oppress it it's it's that it's that very core of it you've hit on the very core of the argument there's nothing wrong with it from our point of view um but from the point of view of the parents they are making a huge ethical judgment that there is something wrong with it and i think there's the difficulty is how do you how do we how do we find the middle ground between those two really really kind of polarized i think it's by not denying it's not denying its existence yeah it does exist we do exist by denying us you're just playing to ignorance you're you're being naive and mm. you're condemning us whilst you're at it by actually at least knowing that you actually that we exist you are then not scaring the life out of kids who are hitting sort of 11 year like coming up to puberty mm. and starting to think that they they may be that way inclined um because it, it to me not everyone has a religion but we are taught about religion in school yeah 
some of us will be um, more orthodox than others, some of us will be um, strong practicing believers in one particular religion and disbelieve all others to be false. But we have a right to learn about other religions because that is how we learn to live. Yeah, we've got to we've got to learn about other people, I guess. And the maybe then the idea is not to have faith schools because there's been talk about faith schools and and when I mean faith schools, I mean like individual faiths, but teach a bit of every type of faith in every school. Well, I did. I mean, I had both um, my primary and secondary school did teach about every faith, um, and. I believe that that should transpire into this. I mean, yeah. it should. If it's sociology 101, isn't it? If you're you're teaching about the world around us, then you can't close the doors to some no. and open the doors to others. You no, can't. Camp did part, and that didn't work for him. You, yeah, <laughs> you can't morally judge from your high horse what's right and wrong mm. when there's opposing opinions. Um, so do you think? Do you think the because I, I wondered about this because the school pulled the lessons. Right? Mm-hmm. We had we had inclusivity. They lessons. succumbed. They succumbed to the protests. Mm-hmm. Okay, but actually, when you think about it, the school went okay. People are protesting. We'll stop what we're doing and talk to them. And that I I initially had a knee jerk reaction of you can't give in to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the school kind of went okay, we'll we'll stop what we're doing. We'll talk with you. It was. It was a practical lesson in tolerance. It was, but what's the outcome of it? Have they restarted? No, because... Well, they haven't, I don't, in time of recording, but I know there's been a vote in the Commons for that to restart, and Ofsted's been in and said that they did nothing wrong. So the lessons probably will restart, but will the opposition to them go away? Well, this is a, a slight step into a People's Enforced Section 28, isn't it, really? And... Um, look just, how that turned out. Just remind us what Section 28 was. Um, Section 28 was enforced by um, lovely dear Margaret Thatcher's consternation of uh, LGBT groups because she was homophobic, if I might be so bold. <laughs> I don't know whether I can say that. I think I think, I think think it's fair to say that at the, that, that time they were looking at... It was the age epidemic and everything, wasn't it? It um, was... AIDS, AIDS, not age. AIDS, AIDS epidemic. Yes, and I mean, to um, be fair, like, um, LGBT had... Well, gay had recently been decriminalised. Yeah. Um, Although not in Scotland at that time. Scotland was until uh, a bit later. Was it? And yet they were earlier than us on... Um, on getting, um, reappealing section 28, they, they? they reappealed in 2000, whereas we reappealed in 2003. Wow, yeah, okay. didn't know that. Um, weird, weird old story, that, huh? But basically, it was preventing um, anything to do with LGBT within schools, like, so no promotion of anything to do with LGBT. So, if you were a teacher caught discussing or teaching about anything to do with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transsexual, well, transsexual at the time. Yeah, the old terminology. Um, the old, yeah. It was, you, you, well, you were, you were fired, to put it politely. You were certainly, um, 
what can you say? A polite term. What? When they so they were they they, they contract terminated. They were cr- well, they were the basically criminalised. Well, penalised, I guess, would be the word, wouldn't it? Penalised. Yeah, penalised. So yeah, um, teachers and and the like, or professionals in general, were penalised if they were. Um, yeah, my mum says. <laughs> I know it's a bit out of the blue, but my mum says that she had an openly lesbian um, PE teacher, and that you know at the time, at the, at this particular time of Section Twenty Eight being enforced, that actually nobody batted an eyelid. I mean, I don't know how. Mm. I, I don't know how... I mean, that's a personal story of hers. I don't yeah. know how true this is across the board, but um, obviously... I think I think it's a case of... It, it highlights that it didn't erase us from existence and trying to um, create... To give it to posh terms, Section 28, I guess, was was an epistemic injustice. It was trying to, to stop the kids of the day learning about It diversity. was erasure. It was erasure of, of, of that that as a possible outcome of... Uh, are you looking at the bunny again mm-hmm. across the road? Oh. Um, it was a... It was a, a I've forgotten what I was saying now. Sorry. The bunny, <laughs> the bunny went across the road. Oh, that's hilarious. The rabbit hole. Yeah. So <laughs> trying to be all philosophical and you went, oh, there's a bunny. It is. Um, it's right there. Yeah, Sorry. It's, it's kind of cute. Um, it is kind of cute. So... That's what it was, and we still see that epistemic injustice. People suggesting that we shouldn't teach various bits; we should keep things under wraps. Uh, my big, my big beef is the bloody um, XY dichotomy, XX and XY dichotomy from Edmund Wilson and uh, Natty Stevens, because they teach that to children. And okay, you mm. can over, you can simplify things for the cognitive abilities of younger people. But if you're teaching a factual error mm-hmm. that then erases the biological reasoning behind a whole group of people, it's is that really justified? And and it's the same kind of thing. I think Section 28 was just taking that epistemic injustice and writ large. So well, we've we've it, got that kind of thing that they're shouting for now, haven't we? That is well. That I mean, to be honest, that was around about the same time that um, feminists were sort of fighting against essentialism and. Um, to be fair, that is the, the the dominant narrative that was science and still is science, mm. um, teaching us what is norm, yeah. what is right, what what should be, and that was boy meets girl. It's all science's fault, isn't it? I mean, but the thing <laughs> is, science is supposed to be objective. I mean, we're, this is so. As ever, this is segueing into other stuff. Science is supposed to be objective, supposed to be neutral, supposed to be factual. But it's always interpreted, mm. you know, and and our interpretations are coloured by beliefs. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, presto, we're back at theology, your favourite subject. Mm. It's really <laughs> not my favourite. I don't dabble. I don't usually dabble in theology. I don't dabble in religion. I have my own opinions, um, and this isn't this isn't aimed at any one particular religion. This is this is me just not liking religion for my own particular reasons but is that is that because you identify putting you on the spot here is that because you identify as lgbt and you're seeing all of this stuff that as we've discussed it kind of it comes from all the discriminatory stuff seems to stem from theological viewpoints is that where your dislike of it comes from um, no, because it doesn't just infringe on the LGBT rights, does it? It, it infringes on um, 
going before I even sort of realised I was part of LGBT community, it it infringed on my um, human rights as a, as a gender binary, as a as a female, as a woman. So there was oppression there from the get go. Well, there is. I mean, like, <sighs> come on, spit it out. To me, um, I mean, there's arguments against this. There's, there is a, um, an argument to say that this has not been used for however many years. But even marriage, um, you know, that whole I promise to obey. Um, oh, yeah, we've talked about that one. We have. And, I mean, I have to do my... The thing is, I've not done my research on this because I don't like it. I don't like to touch it. I know I'm going to have to soon, but um, <laughs> I don't like to touch it. Um but generally, me and me and religion, um, I don't like the origins of religion. I believe it is a fictitious, um, made-up thing to um, control the system, to control people. Um, and it was this fictitious book that was made up primarily by men um, to make sure that they contained and had their own agenda sort of abided by. And I dislike it for that reason. But then I also dislike the fact that things like that, the, the written word of, say, for example, um, um, gay, being like lying with, with another man. Oh, Leviticus. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Thou shalt not lie with man as with woman. It is an abomination unto God. Uh-huh. That one. And neither should wear mixed cottons or yeah. wear hair plaits because, you know, it's too... Or it, eat You should be modi- modest. Um, you know things like that. It, it people use that as an excuse. People tend to say, you know, um, hate the sin, not the sinner. Yes. Um, but I, I feel like I should always respond saying, you know, what top are you wearing? Yeah. Because I'm guessing it's mixed fibre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's the whole sort of um, taking things out of context, cherry picking out the Bible. Yeah. Etc. You're using uh, something to your advantage that you yeah. dislike personally. Yeah. To me, that's using religion to back up your personal opinion, yeah. and your personal opinion really shouldn't count, except for the fact that you've got a, like a, a large majority of people that all kind of are believing in the same things because it was written in this fictitious book. Mm. That then oppress me as a person, um, when really what I do has absolutely mm-hmm to do with you. <laughs> Well put, well put, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think there are some people that just... Because I've, I've deliberately kind of maligned religion, theology, while we've been talking about it. But actually, some people just pull religion out of the box when it's convenient. And they just uh, have this real do. issue. Some people do, some people don't. Um, some people do believe in what they're saying is is correct and you know full speed ahead if you really do believe that then then that's fine i respect your opinion i just don't believe that it should oppress me or Mm. oppress in this case children because that is ultimately what it's doing it is scaring children it's stopping children from being what they want to be um it's stopping them from developing it's causing all sorts of it will cause all sorts of issues in regards to withholding their true nature um, and withholding who they, how they identify, um, and who they love, um, and I mean that, surely that is a bad thing because at the end of the day, what they develop into these little humans that they develop, 
and whether they de develop into um, straight, gay, lesbian, pan, bi, all the letters of the alphabet, I, T, you name it, carry on going. I'm just going to name it plus, actually, for now. <laughs> yeah, everything, everything and everything, yeah. Because, obviously, names develop, Yeah. as we were talking about earlier. Yes. With the bi going into pan and things oh, like that. Well, even heterosexual means something different to the guy that actually invented the term. Uh, yes, yeah, I read, we yeah. read about that, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, that was, I was really... Social um, construction of labels, huh? Yeah, apparently it was, it effectively meant bisexual uh -huh. in its original context. Yeah. I was blown away by that. I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. Yep. And now we use it completely differently. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and, for, and also, there was, what was that other article that um, I pulled up the other day that actually an early scientist kind of come up with the idea that there was five sexes. Yeah. Um, oh, good Lord. It's... Um, I know of her, and she's done a few others. Uh, it starts with L. I can't it remember. It was an early one, but somebody else has yeah. done it again in yeah. later on in the century. Yeah. There was one at the beginning of the century and one at the later on in the century that yeah. kind of basically said... Fausto Sterling. Oh, that's a yeah, mouthful. There you go. Fausto Sterling, I think it was, um, who came up with it later on. But I think I need to double-check which one it is mm. um, and, and, and how they categorized it. <laughs> the categorical problem. <laughs> hey! But, the, I yeah. mean, the point remains, no matter what you become, yeah. it's not going to affect them. No. It's not hurting you. If your son or daughter turns out gay or lesbian, and plus, <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. Everything else. And everything else. Yeah. What does it do to you? Does it hurt you? Really? Ooh, what right. effect does it have to you? I mean, I know that the I know that there's people that argue that um, you know it stops the lineage, like it's it mm. stops like the genes carrying on because of baby making things but we've got around that now baby making baby making Is that the technical term? buns yeah. in ovens buns in ovens well there's the other side of things there's the there's i mean i'm thinking of particular religions where's the shame angle the honor killing stuff there's all sorts of things. I mean, that's not just LGBT, that's just women impression in general. Uh, I know um, um, my old lecturer has um, actually orchestrated a um, I believe it's got charitable status, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he's he's basically um, made an organisation which I um, his name is Drew Dalton um, at Sunderland University and he's, he's um, made this organisation called Hidia, I think. Okay, isn't it? right. And it is for um, LGBT people who are also Muslim or identify as Muslim. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and they, at the minute, are... Um, they're just starting out. They've had a few, a few sort of start meetings and whatnot, and they're they're growing quite a large membership, bringing out conversations that that have never been brought out before. Yeah. Um, and I know that they're travelling around the country at the minute. I think their next meeting is in Leeds, um, basically um, in support of that article that you mm. shared with me of that um, Muslim lady who who's struggling. Yeah. Um, with the fact that she identifies as LGBT and she's been watching her family protest um, against what she is. Wow, I mean, that's, that is so... Wow. 
Yeah, just to have that where it's it's your own family mm-hmm. is it's a scary thing. I mean, I, and I speak from my own experience, wondering if your entire family would actually support you. It's bad enough, isn't it? I mean, we all hear these like coming out stories. It's bad enough that the the thought of coming out to your family is um, surrounded by um, bad connotations. It's always got this horrible feeling behind it. In most cases, not every case, mm. but in most cases, people are worried about it. They they blow it up in their heads because of this old ideology that it was bad. Um, that it, it's a scary position to be in to think that you've got to come out to your family. Yeah. Um, and but how much must that be doubled by watching your family standing at your school gates or your sister's school gates or brother's school gates or whoever and protesting that they are outsiders and they are not welcome? I mean, how much how much worse can that possibility get for you? Of already coming out, but coming out to, to people that already despise you before. Yeah, they, they despise know. what they believe you are and, and stand for and everything. I mean, I've done some work briefly with sort of homeless people, where that that results in them, you know, they're no longer in the house, mm-hmm. they're out, mm-hmm. gone. Um, uh, if if they can escape, and isn't there just, that dude from Brazil that said, "I'd rather have a dead son than a gay son." Possibly, yeah. I think uh, isn't he the yeah the guy that got elected because mm-hmm. um, it was a, it was <laughs> the right it was the right wing guy um, whose name how badly researched <laughs> I am at the minute, doesn't it? <laughs> that dude from Brazil. You mean the, the prime the prime Brazil. the prime minister <laughs> the prime minister the dude, the dude from Brazil <laughs> the prime minister. Oh, okay, whatever. All right, okay. Listen, I've been I've been otherwise engaged in 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 other things at the minute, but I will intend on doing a bit more research well, for the next one. We'll, we'll let, We'll let you off because you've been if doing loads. Me. <laughs> you've been doing loads and loads and loads of st- statistical stuff, and not well. So thank you for <sighs> for coming on and, and, and inflicting yourself with uh, <laughs> with my recording abilities. Um, it's been fun. Um, there's loads more that we could talk about. I know that, so we'll, we'll try and pull another one together soon. All right. Uh, we'll try and get the names of dudes that I bring up in future Prime Minister of Brazil that's the first question I'm going to ask you in the next episode please don't (laughs) please don't I'm going to have to come with a notepad next time alright no worries (laughs) toodaloo well that's it for this episode of Stumbling Optimistic my thanks to Emma who's come on at fairly short notice to have a chat with me about the issues in this episode if you want to read more of Emma's work you can find it at missaplex2.wordpress.com she's written on lots of sociological topics um, really good essays I've also got a link to her work um, because I reference it in The Naked Backlash one of my own blogs um, in recent weeks One final thought from me is that if you are a person of faith, a person who is LGBT and or both, talk to people. Let people know that this is all just part of that glorious thing called being human. The conversations need to happen and it is no good standing picket lines, pitchforks and going, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong, because it doesn't get us anywhere. Keep the conversation going, people.
there we go that's the whole point of this so that's it guys thanks for listening and like i always say keep it stubbornly optimistic remember what happens when you change the way you look at things the things you look at will change bye for now hi guys just at the end of the show i thought i would let you know about the updated social media links Obviously, we now have the Optimisticality Works website. You can find that at www.optimisticality.works. And there you can find blogs that go along with the podcast. Also, you can find me on Twitter if you search at acorn underscore two underscore oak. That is Optimisticality's Twitter feed. And the hashtag Stubbornly Optimistic. Stubbornly Optimistic is also the name of the Facebook group that goes along with these podcasts. And finally, we have Optimisticality Works Facebook page, which does what it says on the tin. It's a Facebook page where I share everything else as well. If you want to get in contact with me directly, suggestions for the show or questions for any of the guests, etc., then you can email me at sarah at stubbornlyoptimistic.me. So send your thoughts in, send any comments in, and let's see what we can do with the conversation, people. Bye for now. Questions you want to ask? He wants us to get in the car. And go where? 50 years from now, when you're looking back at your life, don't you want to be able to say you had the guts to get in the car?